verse 12, God says, How art thou fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? How art thou cut down to the ground which didst weaken the nations? For thou hast said in thine heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will sit also upon the mount of the congregation in the sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the most high. That was the sin of Lucifer. That was his pride. You notice how many times he said, I, I will there? Five times. Five times Lucifer said, I will do this. I will do that. He desired to be like God. He wanted worship. And that pride that lifted Lucifer up was also his downfall. And God cast him out of heaven because he desired to be worshiped like God. And you know what? God's name is jealous. He ain't sharing glory with nobody else. And you know what? Lucifer still wants to be worshipped. In Matthew chapter 4, when Jesus is on the earth, you guys know how uh, Satan tempted Jesus for 40 days when he was, well, Jesus was fasting for 40 days in the wilderness. And after those 40 days, Lucifer came. Not Lucifer. I'm just mixing up all my words. Satan. He's not Lucifer at this point. He's Satan. He tempts Jesus. And one of the ways he tempts him, look at Matthew 4 and verse 8. It says that the devil taketh him up to an exceeding high mountain and showeth him all the kingdoms of the world and the glory of them and saith unto him, all these things will I give thee if thou wilt fall down and worship me. Jesus said unto him, get thee hence, Satan, for it is written, thou shalt worship the Lord thy God and him only shalt thou serve. So Lucifer, who's now Satan, still wants to be worshiped. And he would love to be worshipped by God himself. But Jesus says, nope, it's written. God's the only one who gets to worship. Him only shalt thou serve. You know, there's a lot of things in this world, teenager, that's vying for your worship. And they're all controlled by Satan to steal your worship from God. Now, don't hear what I'm not saying. Sports, you're a girlfriend. They're not evil in and of themselves. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying when they take the preeminence in your life and you worship them instead of God, That's called idolatry. And Satan will try to use that to steal your worship from God for himself. That's what he does. God desires your worship. He's jealous for it. And listen, Christian, if you genuinely love God, this is the Passion Week, people call it. I know that Friday is Good Friday, but Christ was actually crucified on a Wednesday. I'm not saying he's crucified today because Easter is a different week every year. But listen, if you're celebrating the crucifixion of Christ, it happened on a Wednesday, so you could celebrate Good Wednesday today. And he resurrected on the first day of the week. So we're getting ready to celebrate Easter, the resurrection of Christ. If you love God and you're thinking about that, thinking, oh my gosh, what God did for me, I love him, then you should worship him, right? If, if you love him and you love the sacrifice he made for you to have eternal life, don't you want to give him what he desires? I mean, I love my wife. I want to give her what she desires. If, if you remotely love somebody in this world, your parents, your, your brother, your sister, your boyfriend, your girlfriend, whatever. I don't know if you say love in high school. That's weird. But if you claim to love somebody, don't you want to give them what they desire? Well, God loves you. And if you love God, don't you want to give him what he desires? He desires your worship. And worship isn't just singing. That's just a part of it. Two, not, not only is worship what God desires, it's what, it's what he requires See that little rhyming action in there? Yeah. That's what I get paid for right there. <laughs> Not really. Worship 
is what God desires, and it's what he requires. So listen, here's where I want you to see the difference. You might think, okay, so God desires worship. He's jealous. Okay, that's great. Well, listen, that doesn't mean you get, just, you get to just decide if you give God what he wants. It's not like, well, okay, God desires that. Well, I, I desire Lamborghini. It doesn't mean I'm getting it anytime soon. No, no, no. God desires it, but he requires it as well. It starts all the way back in the Ten Commandments, Exodus chapter 20, when it's talking about idolatry. Look at that in verse 3. God says, thou shalt have no other gods before me. Notice, lowercase g, because there are no other true gods on God's level, right? They're all other gods are lowercase g's, false gods. And he says, thou shalt have no other gods before me. Thou shalt not make unto thee any graven image, like an idol, or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above, or that is in the earth beneath, or that is in the water under the earth. Thou shalt not bow down thyself to them, nor serve them. For I, the Lord thy God, am a jealous God. There it is. Visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children of the third and fourth generation of them that hate me. So literally, one of the first original Ten Commandments is God's like, don't have any other gods before me. I am a jealous God. Don't worship anything else. And you're like, listen, I don't have any idols in my house. <laughs> I don't have any little gold trinkets or statues that I bow down. Well, in, in other countries, if you ever visited them, they do that still today. But I, I get it, American. You don't do that. But okay, what do you worship? What small g God in your life? What's a God to you? Is it sports? Is it, is it education, college, scholastic performance? Is it your boyfriend, girlfriend? Go down the list that I mentioned earlier. Are those your gods that you worship and you seek after and you'll do anything to, to get to them? See, that's called worship. You just didn't know it. You're worshiping other gods. When you worship something other than God, it's called idolatry. That's what it is. You've made an idol in your life that's stealing God's worship. Not only does God desire worship, but he requires it. John chapter 4 Verse 23 and 24, it says, Jesus is speaking, it says, The hour cometh and now is when true worshipers shall arise. I'm sorry. When the true worshipers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father seeketh such to worship him. God is a spirit and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. The Father seeketh such to worship him. And they that worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. See, he's seeking people who will worship him. It is what God requires. And if you're going to be a Christian and a follower of Christ, you must make worship a priority in your life. You must give God the preeminence in your life and seek to give him the glory that's due his name in all the aspects of your life, not just the, the hour that you spend singing. It's not, not even an hour, but between Wednesday and Sunday morning. That's not what all of worship is. It, it, it includes your decision-making, your, your time management, your free time. That is worship. It's giving God the preeminence in all aspects of your life. And ultimately, it is what God will require of everyone, not just Christians. Check it out in Philippians chapter 2. This is prophetic. It says, Wherefore God also hath highly exalted him, talking about Jesus, and given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus what? Every knee should bow of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth. I think that covers all the creatures. <laughs> and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. See, what God is saying is, listen, there's a time right now where you get to choose if you want to give God what he desires. But there's coming a time where every knee will bow and every tongue will confess and will give God what he requires. 
God requires worship because of who he is. So let me take this opportunity to share with you real quick. If you don't worship Jesus now, you will one day. Everyone and everything will. He will get the glory that is due his name. If you don't know Jesus as your savior, if you're not saved, if you don't know what that means, and I'm, not, and I'm not just saying, again, that you believe in God. Listen, the book of James tells us that the devil believes in God. Obviously, the devil believes in God. He ain't going to heaven. Believing in God doesn't get you into heaven. What gets you into heaven is confessing your sins to God and saying, Lord, there's nothing on this earth that I can do, but I understand that when you came to this earth and you were perfect and holy and just and you were killed on the cross, you took on my sin, you took on my shame, and you died in my place. And I want that gift of free eternal life that you offer through your mercy. Lord, please, I ask you to give that to me. Will you come into my heart? And when you do that and you confess your sins and you believe on him, that is what makes you saved. The Bible says you're made a new creature. The Bible says that you become a son of God and he adopts you into his family. If you've never done that, then man, I'm telling you that there will be a time in the future where it becomes too late and God will demand when he's judging the earth because of sin and the evil that persists, he will demand the worship and every knee will bow and every tongue will confess. Worship God now while you can choose to to reciprocate the love that he showed you, not when you don't have a choice and God bends your knee for you because it'll be in judgment. It won't be in love at that point. Listen, he loved you enough to die for you. That's what we celebrate at Easter. It was the love of God that was shed on the cross. And if you'll accept that gift, you can be in his family. You can live with him in heaven for eternity and you don't have to worry about future judgment because your sins were judged on the cross in Christ's on Christ, in your place. And you don't have to worry about future judgment. You don't have to worry about hell because if you believe in God and you give your life to him and confess him as your savior, man, he judged your sin for you 2,000 years ago. Praise the Lord for that. But if you choose to not get saved and to not give your life to Christ and to accept him, you have to pay for your own sins someday. And you don't want to do that. You have to personally accept that free gift for yourself. You can do it today. We'll talk about that more at the end. But we have to get to number three. Because not only is worship what God desires and what he requires, man, it's what he deserves. Worship is what God deserves. I alluded to that at the beginning during the introduction. But God deserves, he most definitely deserves to be worshiped. And so if, if Psalm 29 and verse two was a memory verse, I guess I have one other verse that you should memorize. It's Revelation 4.11. I wanna show that to you guys. Maybe some of you already have it memorized. This is a camp memory verse every year. We'll start in verse 10 and get a running start. It says, the four and 20 elders fall down before him that sat on the throne. And this is prophetic. This is revelation. This is looking towards the future, right? They fell down before him that sat on the throne and worship him that liveth forever and ever and cast their crowns before the throne saying, thou art worthy, worship, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power, why? Because thou has created all things, and for thy pleasure they are and were created. Listen, everybody right now is all about my rights, your rights. This is my right. My right is to do this. My right is to do that. Listen, when it comes down to God and who he is, he created everything, and the Bible says because of that, because thou has created all things, and for your pleasure they are and were created, 
you deserve worship. You are worthy to receive glory and honor and power. He deserves it. Because, first bullet point, in light of who he is, I know I've been saying that through the entire message, but that really is the point. In light of who God is, he is worthy to be praised. And so you need to ask yourself, is he worth it to you? And if you're a Christian tonight, man, you need to ask yourself, is he worth it to you? What he did for you, is, is he worthy of your worship? Look at verse 11 again of Revelation 4. Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power, for thou hast created all things. And for thy pleasure they are and were created. Guys, he is worthy of worship. He deserves it because he is the creator. That puts him at the top of the food chart. He's above everything. He's outside of time. He is outside of this dimension. And because he has created everything, he deserves worship. That is the glory that's due his name. It's not something that he only desires. It's something he deserves. That's part of worship. That he's worthy. In light of who he is, he deserves our worship. I feel like so many times nowadays, and, and again, I don't just pick your favorite worship band and think that Kale hates him. I promise you that I like all the, probably all the mainstream worship bands that you like. Trust me, I do. We, we play those songs in here. But I feel like in mainstream Christianity today, when we worship, it's just like, oh, I like this song. And it's, it's just like singing to the radio in your car. And it's not realizing that the words that we're singing we're, we're, we're praising him, literally praising him like the angels because of who he is, his, his worth, his, the, the glory that is due his name because he is the creator of the universe. I mean, think about, like, I, I know it's like a weird political time in America, but five years ago I could say this and it wasn't weird. Imagine if the president, I don't care if you're Democrat or Republican, the president of the United States comes and you're like, whoa, dude, you give him a little bit of respect and reverence because of the position? I mean, how much greater is God, the creator of the universe? He deserves reverence and worship because of who he is. He's the only true God, John 17, 3 says. This is life eternal that they might know thee, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom thou hast sent. He's the only true God. There aren't multiple gods. There's, there's, there's not this pantheism, this, this multiple gods thing no when when the bible talks about small g gods it's talking about false gods in this world there's one god and he is holy psalm 99 5 tells us exalt ye the lord our god and worship at his footstool why why should i exalt and worship god for he's holy he's holy you know he's the only being in this universe who is intrinsically at his core holy like he's not just the attribute he is holy the Bible says in 1 John 1 that he is light and in him is no darkness at all. You know what that means? When you go into a dark room and you flip the light switch on and the darkness goes away because now there's light. I know you can get really philosophical here, but darkness is just the absence of light. Darkness isn't a thing that you can measure because it's the absence of light. You turn the light on, darkness goes away. God says, I am light. And so that means when, when evil is in God's presence, it's gone. It's vaporized. That's why Human, teenager, if you're not saved, that's why you need to be saved. Because you as a sinner are separated from God. You can't be in the presence of a holy God who is light and, is, and there is no darkness at all in him. Because darkness in the presence of God disappears. Because he's light, he's holy, he's perfect. 
But you know what? Not only all of that stuff that should give us a healthy dose of fear and respect and reverence. While he is light, while he is holy, while he is perfect, while he is pure, while he is the only true God, while he is the creator and the alpha omega, while he is the only one who can destroy the souls of men in hell, you know what else he is? He's love. The Bible says in 1 John chapter 4, he that loveth not knoweth not God, for God is love. God doesn't just display the attribute of love. He doesn't just perform the action of love. He is defined as love. And so while God is perfect and holy and pure and righteous on this side, he is love on this side. And there is the catch-22 of God. Whenever his creation that he created in the Garden of Eden, man, who had his image, whom he loved so much, sins and chooses the devil over God. And now man is separated from God because of his sin. That is the catch-22 that God is stuck in. Because while he is perfect and pure and holy and a just God and he has to judge sin, he also is love at the core of his being. And so because of that, he steps into flesh. He steps into our dimension. He steps onto the earth, is born as a baby in a manger, who can't control his own bowels and grows up to be 30 years old and is tortured and beaten and crucified on a Roman cross around the year zero, 2,000 years ago, because he is love. And that's why you should get saved. And that's why, if you're a Christian, that's why you should worship God. In light of who he is, and the second point here, in light of what he has done in light of who he is and in the light of what he has done for you. Listen, if God didn't come into this world and lay his life down for you, he would still be worthy of worship because of who he is. But man, check out what he's done. What he has done for us. Because God is love, John three sixteen. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. We don't deserve that. We don't deserve that. You know what we deserve because of our sin? We deserve eternity and hell separated from God. That's what we deserve. But God loved you so much that he sent his only begotten son into the world to be killed by our predecessors. Romans 5, 8 says that God commended his love toward us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Listen, your sin separates you from God. Your sin, the Bible says, makes you an enemy of God. Literally an enemy of God because of your sin nature. And while we were yet sinners, Christ died for you. Can you think of any enemy that you have in the world, maybe an enemy of America, a country that hates us, that you would willingly lay down your life for them? But that's what God did for us. My goodness. Not only does he deserve our worship because of who he is, but because of what he's done for us. All the wicked things that we have done, all the wicked things that we think, all the wicked things that we participate in, all the evil, wicked things that we look at and find satisfaction in on the internet, all of the wicked, evil things that our friends do and we watch, all of the wicked, evil things that this world does around us and we think about doing, all of the wicked, evil things that literally nailed Jesus Christ to the cross 2,000 years ago, he died for you anyway because he loved you. Man, 
behold, what manner of love is this? That we should be called the sons of God. 1 John 3. Philippians 2 tells us that Jesus, being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but he made himself of no reputation. He took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Think about that for a second, guys. The creator of the universe, the God who literally, guys, if, if you want to go out and build something, what do you have to do? What does it require? You have to go to the store. You have to buy resources with money. You have to get all of these resources and materials together. You have to plan a plan, a strategy. You have to take time to construct the thing, and the thing doesn't have life. It's just a thing. All of that for us to create something, but God spoke the universe into existence, Genesis chapter 1. That's what God is. And that God, who the Bible says the universe, that we can't see the end of, fits in the span of his hand. That God stepped into creation that he created into the world and became a man. He became a servant. He made himself of no reputation. I can't think of LeBron James coming back to Ohio and making himself of no reputation. That's not a knock on LeBron. I love LeBron. But I can't think of someone like that making himself of no reputation, yet the God of the universe did that for you and me. That's what he did. Why would he do that? Because he loved you. And he deserves to be worshipped for that. And if you aren't saved tonight, listen, we're going to wrap up here in two minutes. Can I just ask you something? If you're not saved, if you don't have a relationship with Christ, why? Why not? Is it because you didn't understand what it was? Well, now you do. Now you understand. I explained the gospel to you. What are you going to do with that? In light of who God is and what he has done for you, why won't you follow him? Why won't you make him the Lord of your life? Is it pride? Is it fear? Do you love the world and sin too much? Are you a skeptic? Man, can I just beg you to trust the Lord as your Savior? Man, if you're too prideful, get over it. He's worth it. If you love sin in this world too much, think about this. What has sin in this world ever done for you? other than leave you broken and hurting and without hope and without purpose. Man, God will never leave you and he will heal you and he will give you hope and he will give you purpose for this life and the next. And man, if you're skeptical skeptical of the whole thing, will you just talk to me afterward, please? I'm not a super smart guy, but listen, man, the Bible has been criticized for hundreds of years and yet it still exists today. Yet it's still the bestseller today. There's nothing that you can say to disprove the existence of God because even science itself can't present a viable second option. Their their best second option to creationism, to God creating the universe, is that, well, billions of years ago, nothing exploded and created everything. Wow. That's the second best option. If you're skeptical, man, would you just talk to me? I'd love to share with you the love of God. Listen, whatever is holding you back from following God and worshiping him, will you just consider this, this statement? Is it worth betting your eternal soul on? I just want you to think about that. I want you to go to bed tonight thinking about that. Is it worth betting your eternal soul on? Now, we're gonna finish here in about two minutes and we're gonna, we're gonna sing three songs in case you're wondering, you know, when are we getting? we're gonna sing three songs because we didn't sing them at the beginning so we got time. But if you are saved tonight, if you are a Christian, I want you to think about these things that we talked about tonight as you sing these songs. 
I don't want you to just go through the motions. And listen, I'm not watching you, I promise. I, I, don't, I don't need you to smile or raise your hand. I don't need you to do that because worship is between you and God. And if you're a hand raiser, raise your hands, man. If you just close your eyes and just like to, listen, man, I, I know that some people love to kind of like, like, you know, put their arm around their, their, you know, their wife or whatever. Listen, man, when I'm worshiping, it's just me and God. Nobody else is in the room. It's, it's, it's between you and God, whatever. But listen, think about the things we talked about tonight because God desires your worship and we have an opportunity to do that. God requires your worship, but man, he deserves it. Does he not? In light of who he is and in light of what he's done for you, he deserves your worship. And man, if that doesn't give you just a little more passion when you sing, then I don't know what's wrong with you. I truly don't. Because worship, the heart of worship, is giving God the glory that's due his name and singing some praises to him. That's just one way we can do that. It's just one way that we get to do that. Because he deserves it. Worship is giving God the glory that is due his name. I'm gonna pray, the worship band's gonna come, and we're gonna sing a couple of songs, and I just want you guys to think, I don't want you to fake it, close your, close your eyes, bow your head. I, I don't want you to fake worship, I don't want you to do it for me, I'm not, honestly, when I'm worshiping, when, when we sing these three songs, I'm gonna be worshiping God, I'm not gonna be looking around at y'all. I, I'm, I'm gonna worship God, and I want you guys to consider everything we just studied from his word. These aren't things that Cale just says, they're things that God's word says. So just close your eyes, bow your head, and let's just pray. Lord, I just come to you tonight, and I just want to thank you. This, this time of Easter where we remember your death and your burial and your resurrection, Lord, we didn't deserve that. God knows we didn't deserve that, but you did it because you loved us. You loved us so much that you sent your only begotten son into the world to die for us. Lord, maybe I've never truly understood that truth until I finally had a son. I've got one son, and I wouldn't give him up for anyone. Man, maybe that's just me being carnal, but I wouldn't give him up for anyone, let alone my enemy. And you did that for us. You did that for me. Thank you. Thank you for doing that. And so, Lord, as we just offer this little bit of praise, and maybe that's what we should call it. Maybe we should call it praise instead of worship because this is just a part of worship. But as we praise you with these songs, Lord, I just pray that we could offer just a little bit of thankfulness, just what little offering of thanksgiving that we can give to you, Lord, just as a way of saying thank you for who you are and for what you've done for me. And Lord, I know you desire worship and I wanna give it to you, but Lord, you deserve it and I wanna give it to you. And I know you require it because of who you are, Lord, but I wanna willingly offer a sacrifice of praise through these songs. Lord, for, if there's anyone in here, Lord, who doesn't know you as their Savior, Father, I pray they wouldn't leave here tonight without talking to me and at least just finding out, or, or their friend that brought them, another counselor, whoever they're comfortable with, and just find out more about it. We're not gonna force them to do anything, but they just need to know what they're missing. I love you, and I pray all these things in Jesus Christ's name. Amen.